0: Welcome to Florida. That is the voice of New York Times bestselling author and award-winning environmental reporter, Craig Pittman. My name is Chad Scott, and this is a Welcome to Florida. And Craig, I'm I'm glad that I read your Florida Phoenix column this week, as I always do, FloridaPhoenix.com, because you know, I follow a lot of the uh, Everglades advocacy groups, friends of the Everglades, and those kind of things. And There's a, a story out of that area having to deal with Miami and a development zone. And it's another one of these crazy Frankenstein monster appendages uh, about (laughs) Everglades development and the park that, that has always been murky to me, but you uh, did a great job of clearing it up in the the column this week. So take us down to uh, what I think is the the biggest environmental conservation development story anyways, in in South Florida presently.
1: Sure. Well, um, so since 1975 Miami has had what they call the urban development boundary so that all the development's supposed to take place on one side of it and on the other side the Everglades gets to stay the Everglades and, then, and we're not talking about Everglades National Park this is part of that historic expanse of the Everglades that was there before all yeah. the development mm-hmm. came in yeah and that area is important not just because oh it's the Everglades but because that's where the their aquifer recharges and so they're those wetlands that are out there are very important for the continued existence of people living in Miami.
0: Mm -hmm. A Uh, lot of people live in Miami and they drink
1: a lot of water. (laughs) Yeah. So, so almost from the day it started, developers have been trying to breach that urban development boundary. And three years ago, the Miami Dade County commission voted to do it themselves after all these years of protecting it. They said, Oh, we have to breach the boundary in order to take care of the traffic congestion in Kendall and their solution to this traffic congestion was to build a new road, a new toll road, mm-hmm. called the Kendall Parkway that would loop around, I think about 13 or 14 miles through those wetlands in the uh, beyond the urban development boundary and they said this will provide a substantial improvement on the Dolphin Expressway 836 which is always basically a parking lot. And so environmental groups protested and said no no this is horrible. They challenged it with the state's Division of Administrative Hearings. There's a legal process for Mm -hmm. challenging permits. They challenged changing the county's comprehensive plan for future growth to to basically allow this breaching of the urban development boundary. The judge who heard the case is a very unusual person. She, in addition to a law degree, she has a degree in uh, she has a master's in urban planning. So she was the perfect choice to hear this case, held extensive testimony, long hearings. And uh, finally produced her ruling, which was she recommended to reject the county's change in its comp plan, to reject the Kendall Parkway. Uh, she said it's just it's it's not worth the risk of, of ruining these Everglades wetlands because the uh, improvement, the supposedly substantial improvement to the travel times for people in Kendall would be five minutes. Six, I'm sorry, Amazing. six would be, would be six minutes. So they'd be spending a billion dollars and potentially ruining a big chunk of the Everglades just to save people six minutes in their travel time. Um, and, and the other problem is it would actually make traffic worse on the Dolphin expressway. This is sort of, a, this is one of those things that doesn't sound like it would make it like it makes any sense, but it's true. Study after study has confirmed this urban planners know this, that you can't build your way out of congestion. You can't build mm-hmm. a new road and alleviate the congestion on all road. You actually make things worse because more people, will then get on the road to use the new road. So she said you're going to make things worse, you're going to not going to save any hardly any time at all, you're going to spend a billion dollars and you're going to put the Everglades at risk. And so her recommendation was reject this thing. Well it went to the governor and cabinet and they voted to side with the county. And so Governor DeSantis who just a month ago was bragging about removing the roadbed for the old Tamiami Trail from the Everglades voted in favor of putting a new road into the Everglades, which, um, so I wrote, I wrote that up as saying, you know, this is like, you know, wandering into an episode of the twilight zones
0: where you want, you're wondering where's the, where's the logic in all this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is none. And, uh, you know, sometimes when you look for, for logic in it, that's your first mistake. There, there just yep. isn't any. So is this a, a fait accompli? Is this road going to be built or are there more steps that need to be taken?
1: There are more steps. The, the people who challenged it in the division of administrative hearings say they're going to sue. They think the cabinet's decision is illegal and uh, both procedurally as well as, as mm-hmm. you know, morally. Uh, so they're, they're going to file a legal challenge. So, you know, it remains to be seen how it all turns out. But for now, you know, <sighs> now, whenever Whenever Governor DeSantis brags about his his efforts to restore the Everglades, you have to ask, yeah, but you're restoring it with one hand, but you're wiping it out with the other.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wanna welcome a new sponsor to Welcome to Florida, and that is Visit Sarasota. We had the bonus episode last week with Nate Sweetman from Visit Sarasota. Visit Sarasota. Find them on all the social media and take a look at their great number of fall festivals, events, programs. We talked about uh, camping at the Mayaka River State Park on the bonus episode. Marie Selby Gardens. We talked about the Ringling Museums. Whether you are interested in the outdoor recreation, which at this time of year is at its absolute peak, uh cultural opportunities all the art museums dining shopping visit sarasota.com for more information a great getaway craig if you're uh, looking for one this fall absolutely absolutely and sarasota is just
1: a lovely town to go to anyway
0: it really is it's easy to get to from almost everywhere a a charming little downtown area they've got the beaches again the the parks Mm -hmm. uh botanical gardens museum circle Yeah, uh, Moat Marine Laboratory, which we've talked about a number of times on the podcast. There is a great deal to do there. Visit Sarasota.com for more information. Our guest this week is uh, from a famous Florida family lineage. Craig, tell us about Jennifer Carr.
1: Yeah, uh, Jennifer Carr is the granddaughter of two of the most interesting people that ever lived in Florida Uh, Archie Carr, who is a, a pioneering sea turtle scientist and for whom Archie Carr National Wildlife Refuge is now named. Archie Carr National Wildlife Refuge is the place where the most loggerhead sea turtles lay their eggs anywhere in the world. And then uh, her grandmother, Archie Carr's wife, was Marjorie Harris Carr, who was a pioneering environmental activist in Florida and pulled off an almost miraculous feat of stopping the construction of the Cross Florida Barge Canal. Her efforts through lawsuits and, uh, and political uh, lobbying, got it stopped in its tracks. Uh, Richard Nixon, of all people, said, we've got to stop this thing. And, and she, pers- she actually persuaded him to, to cancel it. So mm-hmm. uh, Jenny has now sort of taken up the mantle of her, of her grandmother. She's taken, over, taken charge of the organization her grandmother started, Florida Defenders of the Environment, as they're trying to tear down the last vestige
0: of the Cross Florida Barge Canal the Kirkpatrick Dam and Rodman Reservoir. Right, and those efforts are more broadly known as the Free the Ocklawaha River. Yes. The Ocklawaha is the river that is dammed in that area. Jennifer is joining us uh, because there's a particular window in time now through October 22nd where the St. John's River Water Management District, which has oversight of uh, this area of the state and the water there is seeking public comment from residents about from yeah. uh, their, their opinions on on what should happen with the Kirkpatrick Dam, with the Oklawaha. should the dam be repaired? Is because this dam was built uh, over 50 years ago, yeah. So it's it's reaching the end of its physical life, and the state mm-hmm. uh, is now forced with this question of do we throw good money after bad? In in my opinion, in repairing this thing or do we use that money that goes into maintenance and would go into repair, into removing it and restoring this uh, ecosystem that uh, would come back with the freeing of the Oklawaha River? So there is a real a timeliness there. This is a, a 50-year effort that has uh, a, a narrow window uh, for public comment when it, it seems finally that, that there's perhaps a, a light at the end of the tunnel here for this, this yeah. long, long conservation effort. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Let's talk to Jenny. Jenny, thanks for being
1: with us today. Tell us a little bit about your grandmother, Marjorie Harris Carr. I, I heard something interesting happened at her funeral.
3: Yeah, I was 11 when um, she passed away. And I remember that David Godfrey posted a Restore the Okawaha River bumper sticker on her coffin.
0: <laughs> Who is David uh, Godfrey?
3: Uh, he's the director of the Sea Turtle Conservancy that uh, my grandfather founded. For um, sea turtle conservation,
1: Archie Carr, who has now has a a, a national wildlife refuge named after him. Yeah.
3: yeah. So my grandmother founded Florida Defenders of the Environment in 1969 to stop the Cross Florida Barge Canal, which was partially completed, and that's why there's a dam in the Okawaha River. Um, so for decades after that, um, she fought to you know restore. Okawaha River and so she passed away in the you know the middle of that um, initiative because in February 1997 SCEP had um you know the bulleted you know the outline of how to restore the river through partial restoration which is mm-hmm. removal of 2,000 feet of the earthen dam which is 7200 7, feet. And then she passed away in October of 1997. So I think some of the momentum died then, but the nonprofit Florida Defenders of the Environment has survived now until I became president two years ago.
1: That's great. Uh, So tell us, tell, tell our listeners who don't know, tell them a little bit about the cross Florida barge canal. This was an idea that started back in the 1800s.
3: Really long history. Um, You could, you know, do a, phd on the the history or Mm -hmm. um steve knoll wrote a book called ditch of dreams that um has the like entire history um but there's also a lot of um um documentaries about the topic um lost springs which discusses how the reservoir the rodman reservoir floods out 20 springs that are along the Mm -hmm. waha river but to get back to the the history of the canal, yeah, it was an idea to basically castrate Florida.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a
1: good way to describe it—to to cut this canal was, straight across the peninsula, yeah, right? So, so barges North, could North, go through
3: North Florida for mm-hmm. you know barges. Uh, and there's been different you know excuses over the you know decades for you know defense um, against submarines and trans texas oil and so the idea with the canal was to, act, to also use the river systems as parts of the canal and kind of dig these straight lines and then do shortcuts through the rivers and it would have destroyed the aquifer and you know all of north florida <laughs> So, but and, jobs
1: we need jobs yeah. it'll, it'll yeah. help jobs yeah well, that, we was, need that was water we need mm-hmm. fresh
2: water mm-hmm.
1: yeah exactly <laughs> How was she able to, to put a stop to this, she, especially in an era when women were not really listened to very much by uh, by politicians?
3: Well, she got, uh, you know, a lot of scientists together and basically built you know a coalition of um, of scientists and she had a lot of support. She went to U.S. when women weren't even allowed to go to U.S. because she was married to Archie Carr. So, you mm. know, I might as well leverage that. Since. Yeah. Back in the day And you know But she also had a powerful personality
0: Why was this project in particular So important to her?
3: Well important to all Floridians You know to protect Florida's environment And and people were seeing the river Get totally destroyed and crushed The forest was getting crushed By the Crusher Crawler Which was Mm -hmm. this this huge um, amphibious tank That's like five times bigger Than a regular army tank And it would just crush the forest. And the idea was to crush the forest down into the soil, like mulch. Um, All of those crushed trees, cypress trees, just floated up to the top. And to this day, they they float up to the top and clog the dam. Um, There's this whole drowned forest where during Mm -hmm. the drawdown, you can actually see all the stumps because they all rotted off at the same height at like 18 feet high Mm -hmm. stumps because that's when they filled the reservoir and all the trees rotted off. And so all the stumps are still there and they break off and float to the surface and they still live. But not only the forest that they killed right then, the forest Mm -hmm. that's still standing is being drowned. So that's why half the landscape on one side of the river is like dead forest.
1: Why did she take up this cause? What was it that inspired her to get involved?
3: Well, local residents asked for her help. Springs were getting
0: crushed. You know, you look around Florida, you said, you know, Archie Carr was interested in sea turtles. I mean, it is dealer's choice with what environmental cause you want to help. There are no shortage of great efforts to throw your weight behind. And and when you're doing something of this nature, pardon the double entendre there, I mean, this (laughs) becomes your life. You know, I mean, this, the efforts to fight development, fight government, fight the huge weight of this system that wants to destroy nature, uh, to stand up against that is arduous physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And you know, to, to take on something like that is not uh, entered into lightly, you know, essentially the, the become the the cause of, of the later years of her life. You know, fortunately she was she was successful, but successful. Uh, to a point, because ultimately she did want to remove the Kirkpatrick Dam, and and that now seems to be a greater possibility than than perhaps ever before, Jenny. And, and talk to us about the the Free the Ocklawaha movement and uh, this incredible opportunity there is now for people to comment uh, in favor of of freeing the river.
3: Currently, there's this huge push to restore the river and we've really been focusing on the last two years um, on public awareness and um, really talking about the recreational opportunities that come with restoring the river. Two years ago, a lot of um, environmental nonprofits in Florida came together to form a coalition to work on this this initiative to free the Ocklawaha for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's been really great. Um, Florida Defenders of the Environment, we're one of the oldest nonprofits, but we're really small. And there's a lot of other really big environmental nonprofits in Florida that can really get the word out and really help push this. So it's really an all hands on deck effort.
0: And the current uh, opportunity is a public comment period that lasts until October 22nd to uh, voice opinions with the uh, St. John's River Water Management District explain what they have to do with this and and what they uh what sort of input they're seeking.
3: The comment period is open until October 22nd and um we could just like go through it really quick um yeah, yeah. ask in what county do you live in and um, it lists all the counties and at the very bottom of that list there's an option for outside of state slash other so this survey is open to anyone you know silver springs is a world renowned place people come from all over the world to visit silver springs so yeah the whole world can comment on this
0: <laughs> and then there are a, a series of questions that are asked i'll put a link to the survey in the show notes and the, the, the Free the Oklahoma group I had a great point by point, you know, copy and paste for what to um, enter into uh, those uh, comment fields if uh, you need that. And, and I will include that in the, uh, the show notes as well. How powerful do you think voices of the public can be at, at, at this period and in this specific fashion?
3: I think it's going to, make a really big impact so far. There's been 3,000 responses to the survey and we've made it really easy to just copy and paste these pre prepared answers to yeah. have all the information and it, you could either make it a five-minute survey or you can spend an hour really using up the 2,500 character limit mm-hmm. Answer, mm-hmm. answering all the questions.
1: Yeah. Do you think this is a sign that the state is going to get serious about removing the dam or are they just sort of covering their butts by putting out this questionnaire
3: well they're they're listening you know they've opened the portal to gather information so this is the our opportunity for the public to educate future leaders because they're going to use this you know make decisions
2: <laughs> have they
1: given you any indication that that they have any particular plans in mind or is this just the first step
3: I'm, i can't say anything for sure i mean they're mm-hmm. they're gathering information from the public they
0: feedback and there's such a large coalition florida defenders is one of the the founding members of the free the oklahoma river coalition but there's over 60 environmental groups in the state that are a part of this florida native plant society you know whatever it is with the the conservation movement or the environment you're interested in whether it's birds whether it's springs and and the aquifer and fresh water whether it's native plants whether it's Forests, clean air, climate change. It's part of uh, what would ultimately become the wildlife corridor. This is a major keystone in all of those efforts in Florida to uh, repair and, and protect the ecology. So it really this one piece really, Jenny, does touch on almost every single conservation issue in the state. Well, we haven't even talked about the manatees yet. Mm
3: -hmm. There's so many topics. I like talking about the Oto corridor. um, Because this is located right in the bottleneck of the connecting part between the Ocala National Forest and the Osceola National Forest. But wildlife and plants run into this body of water that is like a barrier. So it's not just the physical dam that's blocking manatees Mm -hmm. and fish.
0: But the body of water is blocking terrestrial movement. And that O2O is, give or take, uh, about a, a northern third of, of what could be the, the Florida Wildlife Corridor. And uh, the North Florida Land Trust uh, is an organization I'm a member of, and they do a lot of, of, of great work there. But this, this to me, and in the way I describe this to people, I think this is the biggest removing the uh, Kirkpatrick Dam and, and freeing the Oklawaha River, Oklahoma River. To me, it's the biggest conservation win on the table in Florida, you know, I wouldn't say
3: North Florida.
0: It's a great way to put it. Yeah.
3: And more bang for your buck on restoration. Mm -hmm.
0: The Everglades of North Florida. That is a great way to think about the Oklahoma. And like you say, a fraction of the cost Everglades restoration, tens of billions, decades. This is restoration that with a fraction of that money. And one move, not 27 different moves in water management areas and dikes and levees and ditches and roadbeds. One move returns this area to a thriving, functioning ecological paradise once again. 15,000 acres of forest essentially that has been flooded and submerged. You'd open 20 springs. You'd allow the river to, to flow freely, which would be great for you know any number of, of fish and, and aquatic species. It It is... One of those once in a generation, and I say once in a generation because there have been previous generations, obviously, working towards this goal as well. But it, it does seem uh, like you've said that there is a momentum here, or a or a a glimmer of of, of possibility that that has not existed previously.
3: Right. Of those fifteen thousand acres of Cy- cypress forest that could be restored. So half of that is flooded and half of that is too dry on one side of the dam and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the dry part leads up to the St. John's river. So, you know, that's like a wetland that we're not using which mm-hmm. is send that water through all that forested area and provide fresh water to the St. John's river. And that's why the St. John's river keeper is on board because, they're trying to protect the estuaries downstream that could use that fresh
0: water. I want to thank our new sponsor Visit Sarasota once again. Last week was the bonus episode. We go through all the fall activities and events taking place in Sarasota. My first visit to Sarasota was this past spring. Went down there to visit the Mary Selby Gardens. Went down to visit the Ringling Museum. Had a great stay in downtown Sarasota. Visited uh, some of the local restaurants and shops, whether you're looking for the beach, whether you're looking for art and culture, that great Robert Colescott exhibition at the Sarasota Art Museum that I mentioned, outdoor activities, Mayaca River State Park, and again, the beach, the beach, the beach. They've got a the Longboat Key there, Siesta Key is there, Visit sarasota.com, learn all about Sarasota, and start planning your next long weekend or week-long family vacation to Sarasota. Now, back to Jennifer Carr, President, Florida Defenders of the Environment. Talk a little bit about how uh, how this
1: would affect manatees if the dam were removed.
3: Well, it would provide um, primary winter habitat. Manatees get too cold, and there's 20 springs where they could be safe. There could be 100 manatees. Or more, there could be 500 manatees at Silver Springs. Can you imagine that?
1: Wow. And of course, at a time when they really need new winter foraging grounds because mm-hmm. they've lost seagrass in so many of the places.
3: Yeah. And so right now, they don't have that free ranging access to the okawaha River because they have to be locked through manually. And the lock is only operation, they're only in operation like a couple days a week. They have very limited. Schedule like what if the manatee shows up yeah. at midnight? You know, <laughs> and the doorbell, who's mm-hmm. gonna lock them through? So they just have to swim around. You know, manatees can get killed in the lock. Boaters speed right down that canal and run over manatees. So we really just need to breach the dam and go through that winding river mm-hmm. next to the Saint John. Yeah.
0: And we've had episodes on the springs and this is 20 springs that are essentially smothered. Well, not essentially are Drown. actually, yeah. yeah drowned, okay, smothered so by, by so covered, yeah. which you talk about a waste. I mean, that's just, uh, you know, fresh water is what supports life quite obviously. And, and to have 20 springs that we know we are, are just covering over for no real useful purpose anymore, is astonishing. When we talk about this, it will seem obvious to people that this is the solution, a great idea. So what? what's the holdup? What is the other side to doing this?
3: Our desired outcome is for the FBEP to do the partial restoration plan, which involves a, a slow drawdown of the water level over three years. So, we either breached the dam. If we started to draw it out today, we breached the dam in three years or we could do it sooner. I'd be cool with that too. Yeah.
0: But what, I, what I'm getting at is who's, what's the opposition side here? Why are we even taking comment? Why aren't we just yeah. doing that? Clearly, you know, if this has been, and this dam has been there for 50 years, it's never served any meaningful purpose because the uh, cross Florida barge canal was stopped. So it's just there. Why has it stayed there? Who, who wants this thing?
3: It's like, A fear of loss of control of your fish farm, your personal Rodman pool. You're just homogenizing the fish population when you could have biodiversity with lots of migratory fish species, so largemouth bass, striped bass. So the other side is really just misinformed about what's going on. Like, say, Rodman, they care about manatees, but they're not listening to manatee Advocates who say, you know, this drowned out stump field is not the manatee habitat. It's the springs that are flooded out. So that's what we're fighting for. It
1: just—it's always amazed me how politically powerful this group of bass fishermen have been. You know, Lawton Charles wanted to tear down the dam. Jeb Bush wanted to tear down the dam. So it's a bipartisan effort. But the the legislative leaders listen to the bass fishermen. They're like, nope, nope, not going to give you the money for that. Forget it. Not going to happen.
3: Well, I think it historically, you know, it's been considered this like tree hugger initiative, you know, but over the last couple of years, yeah,
0: heaven, heaven forbid,
3: we're talking about <laughs> recreation, you know, the Robin pool is full of, is totally clogged with aquatic floating plants and you can't even get through the boat ramp. And they have to spray tens of thousands of dollars worth of poison, toxic herbicides on and in, right into the, the pool. And then more, no, that's the not good. in. the reservoir is mm-hmm. 9,000 acres of plants and you spend 30,000 to spray 250 acres.
0: Yeah, and that, that cost benefit analysis, I think one of the reasons why we're reaching perhaps a, a critical moment here is that dam is so old, at some point it will need major infrastructure improvements to keep it so you know you're you're now the state is having to balance do we spend money to rehabilitate and and uh, restore this thing and and keep it functional infrastructure you know which is is this key buzzword or does it make more monetary sense just to remove it and and take it off the, the the table because it it has long outlived its functional life, which it never had. But it's getting to the point where it is in need of repair. And now the, the state is looking at a monetary decision of restore or remove. And if those now are equal, the keep the dam side can't say, well, it's it's cheaper just to to keep it and, and not remove it. it. That is no longer, you know, kind of a check in their box, the, the financial side.
3: The economic argument is, is very strong to <laughs> remove um, the dam because of the ecotourism that would come um, with revealing these 20 lost springs. I mean, just look at the drawdown. Everyone goes out to the river for the drawdown, which is only done every four years. And that's when you can get a sneak peek at the mm. the lost spring.
0: You talk about the drawdown, Jenny, and that's every four years, ex- explain what happens. And then when the drawdown occurs, you can, this is not renderings. I mean, with your own eyes, people can go out there and see what has been lost and what is potentially on the table to regain with the Oklawaha every four years when you draw that thing down the springs come back to life and it's nearly instantaneous when that river starts to to regain its spirit
3: it's very shocking visually to see the difference like in just over a week's time it goes from crystal clear to just blacked out and you can't even tell there's a there used to be a crystal clear spring there
1: why do they do the drawdowns every four years
3: um, because all the aquatic plants that are floating around, I mean, you'd have to spend so much on aquatic herbicides. So it saves money to just kill off the plants by lowering the water and then you, all the plants dry up on land.
1: Once the uh, once the, the public comment period is over, what's the next step, do you think?
3: Keep getting the word out. Keep raising awareness, educating our legislators.
0: To what extent do you feel legislators have... Uh an open mind to this problem that they may not have had in the in the past or a a willingness to to actually hear and and think this through and and you know draw that line down a legal pad and and do pros and cons and see all the check marks in the pro column that they they may have been unwilling to engage in previously
3: yeah i mean there's been funding for springs restoration so that's what this is all about is restoring a river full of springs in a public park that's named after my grandmother, the Marjorie Harris Carr Greenway. So mm-hmm. part of that is flooded. So there's not as much bank fishing areas for the public to just fish along the river shore. When
0: you were growing up, what, I don't know if the obligation, responsibility, were you always in the, interested in the environment conservation movement? Was Did you feel a pressure to, carry on that legacy? What, what was that like for you coming up with her as a, a, a grandmother, even though she died when you were just a kid and, and having uh, that name with you?
3: Um, yeah, I remember people always asking me, are, are you going to follow in your grandmother's footsteps? But I haven't been involved directly in this initiative until two years ago. Um, but I did major in wildlife ecology and conservation mm-hmm. and did a master's in sustainable development. So I am interested in this topic. And, you know, I grew up in Florida, in North Florida in Gainesville, and I visit the local Springs and the Ocklawaha is only an hour away. So, you know, I've taken my daughter out there to the Ocklawaha canoe outpost and stayed mm-hmm. in the cabins during the drawdown.
0: What finally got you to the, uh... Florida defenders of the environment and and taking over that that position your grandma held so many years ago?
3: Um, Well, there's a funny story behind that. Um, I was at work one day. Um, I work in the entomology department at UF where I rear stink bugs. And I look out Oh,
1: so you're you're prepared for Tallahassee then.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And I look out the window from the lab and in the courtyard is Governor DeSantis. And he's doing a press conference to introduce the, uh, Florida's first ever environmental science officer, uh, Dr. Tom mm-hmm. Frazier.
2: Yeah.
3: And I remember secretary, um, former secretary of SCEP Noah Valentine was there. And so it wasn't a publicized event. So the people that were watching this press conference just people at work in the building. So I know knew everyone. Uh-huh. So I wrote on a little sign "Free the Aquawaha" with a Sharpie and just kind of stood out there behind the camera so you could read it. <laughs> and and then I gave Tom Frazier um, the the book about my grandmother written by um, Doctor Peggy McDonald. And so after that, I wrote an, an op ed about um, that day. And so FBE contacted me. Our d- director Jim Gross called me, and that's how it happened. <laughs>
1: When you see the drawdowns, does that sort of give you a, a sign of what might, what victory might look like in this long, long battle?
3: Yeah, I mean, during the drawdown, you can see how popular the river is to the general public, um, kayakers, bank fishers, bird watchers. And so the only thing that's missing are lots of manatees and fish biodiversity. Mm-hmm. It could be huge catfish. Anyone that was at Silver Springs in the 50s and 60s remembers huge swarms of these black catfish. And that was the whole point of glass bottom boats is to be able to see Mm -hmm. um, catfish. But now it's invasive blue tilapia.
1: The folks from the Ocala National Forest, are they involved in this discussion? Because I know a lot of the forest that was drowned is actually federal property. In a a way, the the state's been trespassing all these years.
3: F.D.E. Was suing the Forest Service for letting the dam trespass in Ocala National Forest, and yeah, it's it's like 600 acres of the national forest, which is you know scrub pine habitat. Maybe personally, they would want to restore the river, but it depends on the politics. Yeah, you
2: know?
0: yeah, and and they may not want to be stuck with the expense of doing it. If your grandmother was was still alive today, what would her Uh, argument be for restoring the river or or, or what was her lead argument you know in in the final years of of her life as to to why this is the why this was the right thing to do 25 years ago 50 years ago and and hopefully now uh sooner than later
3: i know she was optimistic that eventually it would happen i mean it's inevitable and now we're in an age of dam removal i mean there's Mm -hmm thousands of dams across the U.S. and American Rivers is removing dams every year. There were 90 dams removed in 2019 and more and more. And there's a lot of success stories like the Elwha River dam removal and yep. salmon populations returning.
0: And it's remarkable how quickly that happens. Restoration is, is yes, measured in, in years and even decades. But like you see with the drawdown, there is also restoration that occurs in days. It, it is extraordinary when you see these time-lapse footages from American Rivers about uh, these dam removals. And uh, in, in days, weeks, a season, the entire uh, landscape has changed for the better. And, and you know, there was uh, an era in America when we thought all forest fires were bad and we had to fight them and that was the best thing for the forest and that has been proven completely wrong. And there was a time when all these dams were built for uh, agriculture or, or hydropower. And, you know, that era, thankfully, is, is largely over as well. There There is very little uh, better for an area than a free-flowing river if one is available to it. And, and uh, in Florida, the the big one is the the Oklahoma is part of the St. Johns, and this would be a, a an amazing effort to come to fruition. You use the word inevitable. I I hope you're right.
3: Yeah, I mean, as soon as you take down that physical barrier, fish can start swimming upriver. Plants grow fast in Florida. You know, it doesn't take that long to get a tree canopy. I mean, trees have already grown back along that canal.
1: Let's hope that's something we see in our lifetime, unlike your your grandmother. Mm-hmm did not get to
0: see it. Fingers crossed. And again, the action steps are in the show notes. Jennifer Carr, president of the Florida Defenders of the Environment, granddaughter (laughs) of Marjorie (laughs) Harris Carr and Archie Carr. Thank you so much for your time today. Best of luck uh, continuing uh, to advocate for the freeing of the Aquawaha and the removal uh, of the uh, Rodman Dam. Thanks Thanks again. This happened like 20 years ago. I I
1: was there for a drawdown, but I remember it like it was yesterday because it was such an incredible sight. There was you saw this sort of eerie scene with all these chopped off trees and the water level much lower, obviously, than it it was normally. Mm -hmm. But the birds were incredible. They were just all over the place, feeding, you know, waiting, and and they were like roseate spoonbills and and herons Mm -hmm. and. Egrets, all of them, just flocking to this this river, this new resource for them that they could they could take yeah. uh, take advantage of. It's just an incredible sight, and it's a, it's a really important step for for manatees and endangered, well, the threatened.
0: Mm -hmm. species that really needs a lot of help right now so
1: manatees
0: um, fish birds plants trees i mean you name it the the springs all of this works together and again that drawdown is so tantalizing because every four years and and there are videos of this online you can go to youtube and and see what it what it looks like and you have that ghost forest emerge and then all the the river flow and the springs come back and it's just Mm -hmm. like gives you this glimpse and then boom You know, it's taken away the opponents. uh, I've interviewed
1: the opponents over the years, including Senator George Kirkpatrick, the guy who was so successful at leading the resistance to removing the dam. They actually Mm. named the dam for him after he died. And their argument was, well, you know, the the reservoir is now its own ecosystem. And if you pull the dam out, then you're destroying a new ecosystem to go back to try to go back to an old one. It's Mm. like, well, that's worth trying to do I think yeah. The, the that, old one the, the Ocklawaha was a wild and scenic river and they tried to try to put a control on it and it just didn't
0: work yeah and that's like saying a super fun site is a new ecosystem yes it <laughs> yes. is but that doesn't <laughs> yeah. mean it's worth protecting uh, in and of itself that is no. such a specious uh, argument it, it's laughable but but all of the arguments for it the, the the bass fishermen the the idea that the whole thing that it has lasted this long is is truly remarkable, despite the heroic efforts of of Marjorie Harris Carr and and, and many other advocates. This is long, after, yeah. long since time. We want to thank Visit Sarasota once again for sponsoring the podcast. Our sponsorship started with the bonus Welcome to Sarasota episode last week. I hope everyone can go uh, check that out. We've got all kinds of tips. It, it ended up being kind of a foodie podcast, Craig. You you had yeah. apple pie recipes. I had an Italian restaurant. We had some mango. Uh, waffles, visit sarasota.com to check that out. I know one of uh, both of our favorite places in the state to visit for a a, a long weekend or a a full week's vacation. This time of year now, fall, all the water sports and uh, water activities are available to you, kayaking, paddle boarding,
2: uh, the eco tours. So check out visit sarasota.com.